Do you think it's fair to have boys running in the girls' track, mate? I think it's appropriate for, it's, I think it's, it's the legal responsibility of schools to provide opportunities for students to uh, participate in activities, and this includes students who are transgender. So you don't have a problem then with boys running in the girls' track meet, swimming meets, name it. You're okay then with boys competing with girls? Respectfully, Senator, I think I answered the question. I believe schools should offer the opportunity for students to engage in extracurricular activities, even if they're transgender. I think that's their right. All right. Well, a lot of us think that that's bizarre, you know, not very fair. You know, I come from a family that has a lot of girls who have been, have competed in college athletics, have been state champions, and frankly, you know, some boy that's six foot two competing against my five foot four niece doesn't sound very fair. I think most people in the country think it's bizarre, you know, that it's just <laughs> completely bizarre and unfair that people, and you're going to run the Department of Education, you've got no problem with it. Um, that concerns me. Wow, that was Rand Paul questioning Miguel Cardano at the Senate hearing for Cardano to become the education secretary on, on Joe Biden's cabinet. And so here we are in 2021 with transgenderism, LGBTQ issues at the forefront at even a higher level than in the past. And that's why I'm so excited to welcome back for his second podcast, David Arthur of I Belong Amen Ministries. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me again. And Than, we're glad to have you on as usual as well. So welcome, (laughs) Than. What's going on? uh, And David, you have... uh, uh, on our last podcast, shared your story. Stunning, amazing, miraculous. And miraculous is not an exaggeration. Truly, God himself showing up in your life to woo you, draw you, bring you to that low place of humility, repentance, faith, totally changed life. Amazing. Uh, you know, but today we want to shift a bit into, like, how can we actually not only be free ourselves, but help others get free? And something that we need to highlight right away is that you have a resource at your website, and when you go out and minister around the country, this is some of the themes that you would you would uh, use to minister. Is in your resource residue? Can you just briefly explain that, and then we'll we'll get into some other stuff? Sure. Residue is a guide that I penned. Um, I say I just penned it because it was definitely spirit led. And it actually, even the acronym was spirit-led because I didn't even know what an acronym was when somebody said, what about an acronym? And then the acronym just poured out of my mouth, remove every stronghold in depth, undo everything. And that's what it really gets to, right, is, is getting to the root of the issue and exposing the root and then dealing with that issue. And that's what it takes. It takes... Um, establishing intimate relationships that know boundaries, right? See, we've been duped to think that intimacy is sex because we go to the mall and we see intimate apparel, right? Well, intimacy has nothing to do with sex. Intimacy is what we should desire just as men and women of God, we should desire intimacy one with another. It's the intimacy and the transparency that actually are keys to freedom, but they only come when we, the church, reaches out and establishes intimate relationships, right? 
And so there's a lot we see going on right now. We see drag queens in, 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 in schools and in libraries reading homosexual stories to children. We see the extra special rights. We see men that can't cut it in men's sports. So they identify as a woman and get into women's sports. And then they, you know, they're, they're at the top of their game there. But of course they are, right? So we see all this happening and while we would like to be the ones to put out the flames, that's not our call. Our call is to reach into the flames and yank them out. And hmm. not just protecting the children by exposing the darkness, right? But actually trying to reach the ones that are targeting the children and preying on the children and, and, and devouring the youth, right? Hmm. What better way for me to get a hold of your youth than to play with their identity and mm. place them in the midst of an identity crisis. So, and David, the way you're describing this, it doesn't sound like this uh, trans struggle in our culture, this battle with transgenderism, like it's like it's diminishing. It sounds like, if anything, it's escalating. Is that what you say? And I mean, you minister in this Absolutely. world all the time. Absolutely, and it's going to continue to escalate. You know. I was at the 2018 Columbus Pride Parade. Columbus, Ohio actually has the nation's second largest Pride Parade, Pride Parade next to New York City. And um, I was there and I saw 70% of this crowd was children, youth. And I was talking to the older homosexuals and I'm saying, look at all these children. Do you not see something wrong with that? You know what the majority of them said? They don't belong here. Mm. They have issue. They have mommy and daddy issues. They're seeking love. They're seeking self-worth. They don't belong here. They've just, they're just flocking here because the rainbow has this uh, um, arms wide open love message that is all inclusive to everybody and they don't belong here. And I was like, wow. You know, and as I walked around and talked to more people, they really felt the same that the and then a lot of them said, why are these parents here with their children with rainbow flags wrapped around them? Why? We don't need them to come support. This is our day. It's not their day. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow. You know, and, and so what we think we see as being all inclusive or, or, or what the world might see as supporting them. They don't quite see it that way. They quite see it as, as maybe charity or, or infiltration of their community. And let me say this too, Dave, it is a community. It is a community. And it's some of the, it's some, and, and it's the, it's the family that some people know, the only family that some people know. You know, when I came out of that and I walked into the church, I was completely caught off guard with some of the most horrendous attitude and things being said and, and actions than ever, right? I'm, because the church is what? The church is lost on this topic. They have no idea how to minister to people when they've never, ever walked in their shoes or really had anybody in their life that has walked in that, in that, in that lifestyle 
And I and I listen, I call it a lifestyle, but very uh very hard for me to call it a lifestyle because I know what it is and I lived in it. So to me, it's a death style. And mm. um because there's no sin that leads to life, all sin leads to death. So what we need, what the church needs is to understand what love is because you can't just love on them, right? And not address their sin because that's not love. Love is obedience, right? The father said, uh, love is the fulfilling of the commands. Jesus, the Christ said, if you love me, then you'll obey me. Love is obedience. So when we say we tell the truth in love, um, that means that we're being obedient to the word of God. That's the truth because that's love, obedience. So we have to learn what love is and how to be obedient because there was a lot of people that loved me when I was trapped in that deception, but they loved me literally to death. They loved me to hell is what they did because they never addressed any of my wrongs. And all, you know, albeit a lot of them truly believed the facade that I put on the fake, you know, smile that where everybody thought, no, Paige is happy, Paige is content, Paige knows exactly what she wants and she loves this life. And that was your name in the- That was my name when I was, Uh yeah, a transgender, when I was a transgender woman. And I was miserable. Hmm. I was miserable. That's why I can't stand when people say, oh, well, I'm gay and I'm like, No, you're not, because I wasn't gay when I was a homosexual, right? I was miserable, and gay means happy. And so, you know, I made these tracks up for that, for for the Pride Parade in Columbus, and they said, hallelujah, I'm gay. Hmm. And I'm walking through the parade, and I'm going, hallelujah, I'm gay. And they're running up to me saying, hallelujah, me too. And I'm like, well, not really, because I wasn't gay when I was a homosexual. And their face would twist, and they're like, huh? Hmm. And that opened the door to actually establish some type of connection. You know, I I connected with about 18 people that day. And I've been blessed to see about six of them come out of that deception. And I'm still in touch with probably about eight to 10 of them, whether, you know, be it email or phone, but they desire relationships real relationships, true ones, ones that aren't based on sex, drugs, clubbing, fashion, vanity, all that other stuff. Just real people to us to, to connect with them. Because one thing that a lot of people that, that came to me didn't understand is that homosexuality was not my only sin. I was not just guilty of homosexuality. I had other sins that needed to be addressed. But you can't address some and not address others. You have to address all of them. So that's why there was no impact. There was no there was no weight behind what anyone would say to me because in some people's eyes, homosexuality was my only sin because it was the biggest, baddest one. And in some people's eyes, that wasn't even a sin hmm. because I was born that way. You know, and, and that's that's been the church's mantra up until now 
is either turn or burn or born that way so it's okay and and that's not the case there's a medium and we need to start establishing intimate relationships with people who don't go to church with us don't go to church at all don't dress like us don't act like us don't think like us and we need to establish these connections so that we can be the the example of the one true living god in word in deed and in action and it's that simple i have connected with men and guess what when they started uh sharing and 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 crying and getting upset i didn't just give them a little shoulder hug or a pat on the shoulder i grabbed their head put it on my chest and i wrapped my arms around them and i held them some of them i rock them to sleep but guess what that's an embracing them and that is intimacy and that's the intimacy that they've never experienced and there's been more than one and this is not a pat on the back for david because david's not special david's just obedient but there's been more than one who have said um you filled a void within me i've been trying to fill that void all my life and i couldn't and you filled it in three months you filled that void and i don't want to be a homosexual anymore i don't want to hmm. live like this anymore i don't want to do this anymore you know, and so, and then, and that's where residue came from. And first it was just going to be a, a, a little program or a guide to help people discover their true identity in Jesus the Christ, because that's where their identity, you know, is, 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 it is rooted at. That's where the father intended their, our identity to be in Jesus the Christ. And so I've always had a vision of a home, a home that is based on and focused on the the whole spectrum in the lgbtq plus and infinity spectrum and i mean lord willing it'll happen this year hmm. i'm confident of that and i'm confident that right now i have four men that deserve this because I got so tired of seeing of, of, of seeing them all slip through the cracks over the last 11 years because there was no place for them. And I couldn't recommend them to go into any other kind of home that wasn't focused on their sin and just focused on drugs and alcohol and other addictions because those men who were, who, who, who were addicts, guess what? They committed the sin of homosexuality to get drugs and money for drugs but they don't talk about that. They don't wanna confess those things. They don't bring them things out. And so I can't put somebody who's dealing with homosexuality in a home with men who refuse to deal with their homosexual sin because they become stumbling blocks for one another. And that's why residue is, is going to be that safe place, that intimate place, right? That it's gonna be God's place. And it's gonna be a place for these men to come and be able to learn what transparency truly is, how transparency, how you could be transparent and everything you speak, you release the power it holds over you. And in that transparency, you're not only releasing yourself from that bondage, but you're also giving other people the option to take that and use it as a key to unlock their own cell door and come out of their own bondage and say, well, he's not the only one guilty of that. I am too. And that's how it begins, right? Transparency, discovering their true identity in the Christ. I mean, gosh. <laughs> so, so, 
So as we interact with people in the LGBTQ community, you're saying start with relationships, start with being real, start with being transparent yes. about your own life and start relationship. And, uh, and that, that's the beginning point. Now, now I got to ask you, David, because I know uh, who you are in our last podcast, how specific you are about God's truth and we need to turn from 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 specific sin areas and, and follow Christ. Okay, at some point, people are likely going to get offended or you're going to say something that's not sitting right with them. So now you, you're in a relationship. Now what do you do? Because now they're mad at you. Look, I stand firm. Everybody that knows me knows that the I am friends to right now to this day with homosexuals and and uh, a couple that are even deceived into thinking that they're the opposite sex. But let me say this. They know where I stand. They also know that I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to give in, not just a little. And I tell all of them from the beginning, I say, look, I don't want to be your friend. I'm going to befriend you with the intentions of becoming your brother. And if the moment comes when I think that being your brother is not an option, I will release you. I said, and I will move on because there's other people out there that want what the Lord has for them. That makes them want to hold on all the more. Hmm. They're like, wait a minute, this is somebody who's telling me you don't want to even be my friend. You want to be my brother, but you're going to be my friend because you're gonna be my brother and they don't quite grasp that. And so, I mean, look, and I've had people get mad at me and stop talking to me. And then two years later, email me back and say, you know, I'm so glad that you were so harsh and hardcore on me and so rough with me because it really sat with me. I did go back and I did get more involved and I just wasn't happy. And then I felt the Lord tugging, 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 tugging at my heart, right? Like the overseer for, for the residue home, the overseer that I have is he, he had a sex change operation 25 years ago. Hmm. And it, two years ago, he had his breasts removed and, and he started living as the man that God created him to be, you know, and he's, he spent two years in, 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 in depth study and he's the perfect person. God placed him right there. And he says, hey, ask him if he'll be your overseer. And I asked him thinking he ain't going to do it. He's like, yeah, absolutely. And I can be able to, uh, you know, to, to do, to do for the Lord, to actually do something for him. And so that's, that's how it works, right? So yeah, no one's going to be um, always completely happy and satisfied, but we don't say things to hurt anyone intentionally, but we also don't say things to not hurt them intentionally, mm. right? We have to just stand firm, just like the Christ did, right? Jesus did it. He he spoke matter-of-factly the, the truth. truth. Absolutely. It was, and it was matter-of-fact. He didn't say it to be mean or to be nice. He said it because that's what it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, perfect example. At the Columbus Pride Parade, I made I met another woman who 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 lives the lesbian um, death style, and we spent some time together. We would go to lunch and hang out, and and she called me up about three four months into our relationship, and she said, uh, "Hey, could you pray for me?" And I'm like, "For what?" 
She says, well, because I fell at work, they want to do an MRI. They think it could be my hip. David, I'm too young for all this. And I was like, oh, no, I ain't praying for that. And she said, what do you mean you're not praying for that? Is that a good hip ain't going to do you no good in hell, girl? And she laughed. And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, as a heart attack. I'm like, I, I pray for the, for the hope of your eternal salvation every day. Hmm. Now, if she would have came up to me on the street and I didn't know her and she asked me to pray for her, I would pray for her, right? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have I told her, no, your health ain't going to do you no good in hell. Get away from me. Because that was the other extreme that I didn't want to be involved with. But I had a relationship with her. And so I was honest with her. But that same woman called me the very next year, the day after the parade, and said, I'm happy I know you. I said, mm-hmm. why? What happened? She said, I went to the parade. I didn't go la- the, that year. She says, I went to the parade with some of my friends. And there were two groups of Christians. One of them was yelling at us that we were a waste of space and we're going to burn in hell. And the other one was had their bullhorns and their Bibles out and they were reading scripture to us. And uh, we get back to the to the after party. And my friend says, that's why I hate Christians. She said, and I felt so good that I could say, I don't think that they're Christian because I met one who really is, and you got to meet him. His name is David. She says, that's why I'm glad I know you. Because awesome. you really are the example, you know, that I that I need. You know, has she come out of it? No. But guess what? When, when she tells me she felt like a man, and I says, well, what's a man feel like? And she goes, um, I don't know. I said, exactly. I felt like a woman, right? I says, but it was impossible for me to feel like a woman because I'd never been a woman. I can't tell you what a woman feels like. So you can't tell me you feel like a man when you can possibly know what a man feels like having never been a man. Well, guess what? She's at least a woman today. Hmm. And to me, that's a first big major step. That kind of hits on a topic that's really, I guess, prevalent in our culture today, which is the whole genders fluid thing. And most people actually believe that, that gender and sex are different things and you can choose whatever gender you are. How do you, how do you kind of deal with that? Well, I just kind of let them know that, you know, listen, (laughs) your DNA, right, determines whether you're male or female. Your genitals don't even do that. They do, but they don't have to because your DNA does. So you can mutilate your genitals and your DNA still says that you're a man. There are over 6,000 genetic markers within chromosomes and cells that determine the difference between males and females that can never be changed or altered with medications, surgeries, or blockers or anything like that. And they look at you and you say, you know what, if you die today and I bury you and they dig you up in 300 years, what are they going to find? They're like, my body, my bones, right? The skeleton of a man. I said, and you can look at all the anthropologists that have ever been. I said, and they've only found kings and queens, princesses, princes and princesses. They've never found a transgender body they've always found a male or a female i said because that's all we can possibly be and um i mean you know what whether they want to believe it or not 
that's going to be between them and their conscience and then ultimately them and the Lord. But to speak it to them, and they may not even accept it at first, but those are the kind of things that sit with people and sit in their minds. I've been blessed to go into a, a public high school in Columbus um, four times. And each time I went in, I was able to speak with four senior classes back to back. And I could talk my testimony, I could talk about Jesus, and I could also combat the lies they've been taught. And after every semester, they have to write reviews on the speakers. I've been blessed to read the majority of the reviews that they believe me over the professors and the speakers who are just book knowledge because I lived it. And many of them say they have a whole new outlook on the LGBT world. So, Wow. So we're really talking about speaking openly, candidly. We're in deep relationship as much as possible as we walk this out with people. But we're not shying away from the truth. I, I hear you both saying we're not shying away from the science or from the Bible. And, uh, you know, uh, David, I, I just got to get this out there related to the science and the data because that's such a, a you know, a, a repeated mantra in our culture today, follow the science and the data. But like you were saying, there's these 6,000 markers and every cell in our body either has two X chromosomes, so that means you are a woman, or ha- you have an XY chromosomes, yes. and that says you're male. Every cell in your body cries out the way that God created you. Okay, like, that's a key piece of information, uh, you know, along with the other things you've been sharing. Um, so I have to ask you, is it pretty natural to weave in the Bible as you're talking with folks over time? Is there certain passages that you've found especially helpful in, in speaking to the LGBTQ community? You know, most of it is just being the example, right? Word, deed, action. Word, deed, action. Always just following my example, Jesus the Christ. And I do, I'm just like the correctional officer did for me. You tell them stories, right? You tell them that, yeah, you can be sincerely doing something, but that means, you know, you can be sincerely wrong. And you can go from sincerely wrong to sincerely right. And you just tell them these stories and that really makes them want to know, well, where does that come from? You know, or you talk about very intimate um, relationships in the scriptures like David and Jonathan and, 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 and God and Adam in the garden and those kinds of things. Or you talk about how, how man failed woman, right? Right from the very beginning and how man lost the relationship first. And so that's why intimacy is such a big issue for men, especially. And you just talk about these things and then they want to know, really? You mean that happened already? And you show them. And it really opens up a whole new world to them because they've been told the Bible is wrong. The Bible is, is man, man wrote it, man, you know, inspired it, man, 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 man. Mm -hmm. And then they get to see that the same situations that have happened in the past are same situations that, 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 that they're enduring at that moment. And, and maybe not with their life's choices, but definitely with their um, emotion, thoughts and feelings, right? Their thoughts, their feelings, thoughts and feelings. That's what everything is kind of based upon right now is thoughts and feelings. And thoughts and feelings mean nothing 
right? There's no absolute truth in, say, the government or the public school system. No absolute truth, mm-hmm. right? Why is there no absolute truth? Because if they can confuse and then sexualize as many people as they possibly can, then they can continue to push this agenda. And sadly, they're going to take it to the next movement, the next extreme, which is the pedophile movement. Hmm. That's the next movement. Right, so they have the LGBT movement that has laid down this legal foundation for anyone to be able to stand up really and say, hey, I have that right too. I have extra and special rights too, to do what I want. So if your child at eight years old can determine their own gender and determine if they want to live with mommy and daddy or not, then that same eight-year-old child is going to be able to choose their own sex partner regardless of age. And we just don't really see the big picture and see where it's going. And so, David, you you know, please touch on the public school and what you see already in the the, uh, curriculum or the atmosphere of our public schools that's pushing us also in this direction, because you've called this a war against our children. And like, why would you use such extreme language and what is going on in our schools? This is a war against children. And this is the best way I can put it for you, Dave. You know, say little Johnny, he knows mommy and daddy love him very much, right? And so they want nothing but the best for him. They, they kill for him. They die for him. They send him off to this institution to receive something. So he goes and, and he comes home a couple of weeks later and he says, hey, did you know that great, great, great grandpa was a monkey? And did you know that his great, great, great grandpa was a pond scum? And you say, no, 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 no. It's creation, not evolution. You did not evolve from something. You were created and you have a creator. Huh, okay, I must've got that wrong or maybe the teacher got that wrong. And so a couple months later he comes home and says, hey, um, guess what? I'm going to be um, Muslim. And I found out that Islam is a loving, peaceful religion that accepts all and is very inclusive. And daddy says, no, let me talk to you. Christianity is the only one true religion and everything else is a separation. And uh, he says, well, huh. Wow. Now I guess the teacher's wrong about that too. That's how can that be? But they want me to go here and receive this and I'm receiving it but it's wrong. And then they got to correct me. Why? Anyway, a couple months later, you all go to church and you say, Hey, everybody, we're having a big barbecue after, after church. We want everybody to be there. The family's going to be there. You invite the deacons and the choir and everybody. And now everybody's sitting there having a good old meal. And Johnny decides he's going to make an announcement. He stands up on the table and he says, Hey, don't call me Johnny anymore. Just call me JJ because I'm gender fluid. And my, my pronouns are they and their and them. Now, everybody's not looking at Johnny. They're looking at mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy take Johnny aside and say, listen, you can't. You are a boy. Boys have dinks. And you are a boy. And you can't say that you're not a boy because that would be calling God a liar. You can't do that. He created you to be a boy for a purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Johnny walks away and you know what he says is the heck with them. 
he says, why they send me here to receive all this if it's not even the truth? Why are they sending me here to learn all this stuff if they're going to keep correcting it and tell me I'm not even learning what's the truth? And that's when Johnny starts rebelling. That's what's going on in the public school system. They're being indoctrinated and they have these things called, like they have something called SEL, S-E-L, social emotional learning, where they chant and they do Buddhist chants in the class with the children, where they have to recognize the child's emotion so that they can tell the child how they're to react to, to that situation. You know, these are the things that are being introduced into the public school system, the government indoctrination centers. And I'm a big homeschool advocate. And so I know a lot of people don't even think they can do it. But if you know that your child's life spiritually and maybe physically depends on it, then why wouldn't you yank them out of the public school system and homeschool or find a homeschool that can take your child in? You know, I think this is one of the places where the church has dropped the ball because we have empty buildings five days a week and they could be classrooms. Mm -hmm. They could be classrooms teaching children how they were created, that they do have a creator, you know, the goal is to protect the children. How can we protect them if we're putting them on that little yellow school bus that's going to lead them straight to hell? Because that's exactly where what they're going to learn is how to go to hell and how to deviate from, from God's plan for their life. Mm-hmm. And it's not only the school bus vehicle that can lead them there, but also the vehicle of the Equality Act that I keep hearing more and mm-hmm. more about this Equality Act. Can you speak into that at all, David? Um, that would be like a part three and four. <laughs> right. I was going to say you probably need, need a couple hours, but if you can the at least... The Equality Act is very, it's dangerous because um, there's nothing... It's not equality for all, it's equality for those who put it forth. It's equality for certain people, okay? The, the Equality Act would have the church buildings having to let, by law, men in the women's restroom and, and women in the men's restroom um, look. It's the same thing with the, the big, um, Gosh, equal rights campaign, right? You see, everyone sees the big, the big equal sign, and they think it's a wonderful thing because it sounds good. But when you really look at it, these are socialist, communistic. Really, I just say communist groups, and it's group thinking. There's no individuality, because even though they have an, a spectrum of genders they're still all being forced into one area to deny their God, the the image that God created them Mm -hmm. to bear. That's what it's all about. It's removing the identity in which they've been created, the image in which they bear. That's what it's all about. 
Awesome. Amen. Praise God. And we need everybody to get to your website. And specifically, I want to highlight residue. So we'll put the links in the, the YouTube description, David. But but just give us like a 30-second overview on residue, residue, why we need this. To remove every stronghold in depth and undo everything. Awesome. And therefore, we can be free. And you have worked with hundreds, if not thousands of people that have come out of the death style, and they are now living in a true lifestyle in Christ. So praise God. And uh, we want to go to residue and help people get free. In fact, many people listening to this podcast probably need freedom themselves. And again, this is not going away. This is escalating in 2021. It's not, not at all that it's diminishing. I also want to highlight uh, the book going up on the screen by Timothy Zebel. It's called Transitioning, a Biblical Understanding of Transgenderism. It is so helpful and foundational and so well written. And it not only helps us have a biblical understanding, it helps us have a historical and current cultural understanding, a must-read for helping people get free as well. So thank you for joining us on Insights. Again, David Arthur at IBelongAmen.com. Check it out.